podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Red Review podcast here on Anfield Index. This is, of course, your monthly audio magazine for all things Liverpool Football Club, and it's been another eventful month for Liverpool. So we're here to help me talk through everything that's gone on throughout February. I'm absolutely delighted to be welcoming a man who is um, known to be forthright with his opinions and brutally honest at times, so I'm hoping he's going to go easy on me. It's uh, the one and only Dave Hendrick. Welcome along to the show, Dave. Hello, Andy. How's things? It's not so bad. It's not a part of, well, it's actually it's a blizzard outside, but there you, there you go. The beast from the east has landed. Has <laughs> he landed on the fair shores of the Emerald Isle? It has. Everybody has stocked up on bread, milk, coal, briquettes and uh, logs. Nobody's planning to leave their houses for the next four years. Ireland is in lockdown. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, and Dave, first thing we do on on uh, on this um, on this show. Now I, I'm sure everybody's uh, very much familiar with you, uh, and obviously you are very very popular in this medium. But I'm keen to to know uh, when and how did you first become a Liverpool fan? Uh, my dad is a Liverpool fan. So um, I didn't really wasn't really given a choice. Um, so probably the age of four or five, really, whenever um, I first got into into football, um, Liverpool were just the the only choice. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, much to the to the annoyance of a lot of my uncles who were United fans and an Arsenal an Arsenal fan for an uncle and and that I just followed my dad into supporting Liverpool and never looked never looked back really. No, well, fair play to him. I've done the exact same thing to my sons. Um, it's tradition. You've got to keep it going. Um, we do have a couple of talking points that I do want to get to, but before we get to them, I'd really like to go through uh, the, the February's matches. Uh, not too many there, but certainly plenty to talk about. Uh, we kicked the month off with, um, I think Eventful's probably really not doing it justice. Uh, the 2-2 draw at home to Spurs, I mean... What would, how did you feel coming out of that game? Because I would say, Dave, on the balance of play, a draw is probably a fair result. But on how the game played out and just the way things transpired, I've got to say, I came out of it pretty, pretty damn, uh, pretty damn annoyed. Yeah, I mean, look, Spurs are a fantastic team. They really are, and I know they're not as high in the league as they were last season. But when you factor in, they've been missing Alderweireld for most of the season. Wanyama for most of the season, Lamella for most of the season, Danny Rose for most of the season. Like three of those four, Alderweireld, Wanyama, and Rose, start for any team in the Premier League. Any single team in the Premier League, those three walks right in. They're the best in their positions, um, and they've barely played this season. Lamella is an important attacking option for them, so they've had huge injury problems. Um, they've also been trying to bed in Aurier who was bought to replace Kyle Walker, but obviously 
Pochettino likes to do this thing of rotating the fullback. So they've, and then they're bedding in Davinson Sanchez. So they're, they're doing a lot there at once, um, in terms of coping with injuries and bedding in new players. And you have to factor in they've not played a single home game all year. I mean, their, their home games have been played at Wembley, which isn't their home ground. So for them to be fourth is pretty impressive, um, at this point of the season. I think along with us, they're the second best team in the city. I think us are in, in the league rather after city. I think us and them are about on an even keel. Um, we're obviously a better attacking team. They're obviously a better defensive team. Uh, I think they've got an advantage in midfield as well, but I just think we have that gulf. Uh, between our attack and theirs, and their attack is really good. Like, don't get me wrong. So, going into a game like that, Andy, I'll take a point. You give me a point before that game, I'll take the point, and I'll make that up by you know going and beating the dross. Um, but as the game transp- as it transpired, like we are all disappointed with that result because we deserve to win that game. You could look at it and say they dominated possession, but we allowed them to do that. We we dictated the tempo and the way that game was played. Um, our midfield was, I thought, very poor that day. I thought Henderson had a nightmare. Dembele ran the show in midfield. But we were allowing them time and space. We weren't pressing at our normal rate. Our, midf- our attackers weren't dropping back in the way they normally would. What we were looking to do, I thought, <clears throat> was was set up basically for Porto. To draw them in, draw them in, draw them in. And then hit them on the counter-attack. And it is what we look to do. Um, Mo Salah was phenomenal as always uh we were let down by Lovren again and we were let down by a, a dreadful decision um by the referee and linesman on the second penalty but we, we had some big positives that came from that game i thought loris carius looked excellent i thought van dyke was an absolute rolls royce up until you know that one error that gave the, uh, the referee the opportunity to give the second penalty despite the offside um and, and look, look at like the Wanyama goal. That I love Wanyama, and I have done for years. But he could take that shot a thousand more times, and he's going to hit like the roof of the stand more often than he's going to hit the roof of the back of the, the back of the net. Like so, all in all, it's a good point. But obviously, we're disappointed in, in how it came about. Yeah, I, I think it, it was. Uh, it really played up to that cliche of you know a game of two halves. I'd say the first half, we we had the opportunities to really kill the game off. And then, like you said, you know, we really surrendered territory and possession, mm. probably too much for my liking. We we sat too deep Definitely. in the second half and we let them go. It was like, you know, like rope Just one, one more thing from you then on this game. Do you feel that perhaps Klopp made a mistake in the, in terms of the tactics in let, allowing us to, to sit quite so deep? You know, trying to play that rope adult tactic with them. You know that we were we were inviting them too close to our our box. Yeah, I thought we dropped too deep. Um, I you know, I never want to see us defending our 18 yard line in a home game for for 45 minutes. Never. That shouldn't be the case. I mean, our defence should have been 10 yards further forward. But for them to be 10 yards further further forward, our midfield has to be 10 yards further forward. And Henderson seemed to want to hold Lovren's hand and. You know, the two of them would skip their way through the game. Um, it was a shambolic display for both on the day. Um, both at fault for uh, a number of number of defensive errors. Uh, you saw the sun chance when Lovren came charging out of position with no real chance to win the ball. 
you saw the error that led to the first penalty and people can argue back and forth about whether it was offside or not. If Lovren can just kick a football, it's not a penalty. And if if they don't get that penalty, I think we just win that game. I think that's that's as simple as that. I think we that kills them and they don't have the momentum because they, they had started to sort of flag at that point. Um, but look, I, I think I think if you look at the tactics for that game and the game that followed against Southampton, I think Klopp was setting up for Porto. <clears throat> I think the the Champions League was given a priority over a league game at the beginning of, of February. And I, I think that's fair. I do think that's fair. Uh, Simon Brundish has, has long said, beat the Dross and win the league. Like, we're not going to win the league this year, but if we beat the Dross, we'll get third at worst. So, I'm not going to argue with the idea of, of, you know, holding something back in a league game against one of the, the top teams where a win is a bonus. I think if you face any of the top six, home or away, a win is a bonus, a draw is a good result. Because um, there's not really a whole lot between us. I mean, you look at us versus... United, I think we're fairly even in terms of the overall picture. Um, same with us and Chelsea. I think I do think we're a slightly better team than either of them, but I think it's fairly even. Like uh, if United came to Anfield and beat us, um, I-, I wouldn't cry about it. If we go to Old Trafford and, and they beat and we beat them, I don't think the fans can can really get too upset about losing to us as a team. Now, us as a club is different. I'm not talking about the rivalries here. I'm just talking about the actual teams on the pitch. I think we're fairly even. The same with Chelsea. I think there's a little little drop to Arsenal, but when you look at the talent there in the front four that Arsenal can put on the field, there's still quality there. Their errors or their weaknesses are our weaknesses, defence and, and, and midfield. And Obviously, they have a problem now in, in goal. We've had a problem in goal for years. So when it comes to any of these teams, Andy, I'm okay with taking a draw. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to be too upset about taking a draw. The only thing that upset me in that game was that was how, how it transpired, basically. You know, like it's last minute of the game. Let's not do anything silly. And <laughs> yeah. you know, silliness happened, and and we can't like we should know by now, and we can all bitch and moan, and I bitch and moan about the officials. The quality of officials in the Premier League is at an all time low. It is absolutely shocking how these people yeah. have been paid a hundred grand a year to referee Premier League football matches is beyond me. They're, they're, they literally are as bad as it gets in the big leagues in Europe. Yeah, I, I mean, I was raging that 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 evening. I've got to say, and it's when it's come out, you know what, you know the transcript of what that referee said, uh, you know, and if if fans can put club loyalties aside and actually look at what he said. I don't know, effectively, I don't know what happened, but I'm going to make this decision, you know, and not just I'm going to give a free kick. I'm going to give a penalty, you know, potentially game-changing decision, but I don't know what happened. That in itself is frightening. I find that frightening from a match official and and for him to then basically try and change the story and the um, the the, uh, the match officials whatever the hell they call themselves this week, um, you know, giving him a game straight away the following weekend. Mm. I just found that absolutely staggering. He, he should really, have been working really at a League 2 outpost the following week. Not Forget the decision. Like, I don't care if he's right or wrong. I'm not asking 
for officials to get every decision right. I'm asking that you put your hand up when you don't know or that you put your hand up when you make a mistake. You don't go and hide. And this is what gets me. I guess. This, this, this cloak of, of fucking, you know, silence that falls over all these little peanut headed fools after they make these decisions and, and cost teams valuable points. It, just put your hand up and say, yeah, I got it wrong. I've watched it back. I was wrong. Like, we're not going to chew you out. There's nothing can be done at that point. Like, just acknowledge that you've gotten it wrong. Take your slap on the wrist from the FA. Go and work in League Two for a week. You're going to be back up the following week because they're not... They're, like, the thing is, those referees that get dropped down to work Championship, Championship League One, League Two, they still get their money. Their contract is set. They're not getting less money to go and ref a League Two game than they would a Premier League game. But the FA aren't going to pay them to go and ref those games. Like, they're not going to pay someone five grand to ref a game when they can pay someone else one grand to ref a game. Because that's just not how they work. Like, they're a business as well. So, like, it would literally be one or maybe two games at that lower level and they're back in the Premier League because their contract dictates that they are. But this thing of just hiding them away and you get like guys like like Mike Riley coming out and he's the the one we're meant to listen to for all things, you know, refereed related. He was one of the worst referees in the league at the time, and it's it's the same with all of them, all the guys that they trot out as spokesmen, all the ones that are pundits and do bits for the papers. They're all the shit referees. They're all terrible. Like. How are they, how are we meant to take them seriously? And like when you hear guys saying, oh, well, like the Premier League suffered a big blow because Mark Clattenburg went to work in the Middle East and he was the best. Like if Mark Clattenburg is your best referee, you have no good referees. <laughs> you know? So that's all I want. All I want is this referee. Cause like he's caught, he's caught on the camera saying, I don't know if Lovren touched the ball. And he asked the other guy, can you see it on the TV? And then he says, oh, well, I'm just going to give a pen. And then the FA run around trying to take that video down off Twitter. Yeah. Like... The cat was... Yeah, that's it. The genie's already out of the bottle. It's too late. That's exactly it. You know, it's too late at that point. Have the guy come out, admit he got it wrong, admit that he, you know, was, was worried about making a decision in such a big game that he... That's why he you know, stupidly ask could the guy see anything on the TV and that he got it wrong. And that's all you have to say. I got it wrong. I will try and do better next time. Great. Fair play. On you go, son. Have a good year. Yeah. That's all we want. Not this thing where this guy goes and he hides and the FA are trying to run around removing shit off Twitter and stuff, Facebook and stuff. Like, that's just nonsense. Like, you, you, you can't cover up something that we all saw with our eyes that was on nationally televised you know, programming uh, millions of people tuned in and watched like it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, that's the FA. But uh, moving on anyway. Um, next up for Liverpool was a, a thoroughly professional performance. To another of those cliches, but I think it it really fell in that sort of category. It was it was comfortable. I thought Southampton were poor, and we were expecting a hostile atmosphere because we have so many ex-Southampton players, but. I've got to say, Dave, and I know you're a big fan of him, Virgil van Dijk. I, I thought this this performance and the way that he handled 
all the abuse with a smile and a swagger, uh, for me, spoke volumes about the player that we've signed. I, it's it's just the masterclass. Um, no no issues at all. Gets booed every time he touches the ball. Smiles, gets on with it. You know, goes in a little run up the field. At one point, gets booed throughout. Has a little laugh. Doesn't really seem in any way phased. Like he's just one of those. The game comes really easy to him. He's just elite levels of natural ability. We've seen in the past. Pebbles has gone back there, gotten booed, and you know fallen apart and had to be hooked off at half time by Klopp. He was shocking his first game there under under the Brodge. Um Just you know, one a mental midget and one just a, a guy who knows he's he's the business. Um, a very boring three 0 I think if we're being honest, like nothing really happened in the game. We controlled it, did what we want sat back, let them come on to us. We're never really in any danger. Don't think Carrius really had much to do. Um and we won three nil. And uh, to be honest, two I, nil. I don't two nil, sorry. And I, I don't remember either goal. Genuinely don't remember either goal, but <laughs> I know we won easy. Yeah, Firmino Salah again doing the business and you know the first half that was it. It was all wrapped up. Early goal you know, early goal and just before half time, and that was it. It was the game wrapped up. It was done and dusted. I remember Southampton having having a good sort of thirty minute spell where, again, you know what you talked about in the Spurs game, where Klopp was really kind of preparing the team for the the Porto game, and it seemed that that's what that Southampton game was really about. Um, we were setting ourselves up just to uh, absorb some pressure and hit the team on the counter attack, getting ourselves a bit more organised. Uh, and we executed the plan much better than we had against Spurs. You know, a, a comfortable result. And, you know, we've had two games to practice it. And, hey-ho, we go to Porto in the Champions League. And, boy, did we ever nail that one. I mean, I, I even looking at fans of other clubs after that game, everybody was saying, like, we don't want Liverpool the next round. Nobody will want to face this team playing like this with Firmino and Salah in the form that they're in. Arguably two of the four best players in the Premier League this season, Mo and Bobby, um, along with probably Kevin De Bruyne and, and Harry Kane. Um, they're just, they're just an absolute on fire. Like they, they seem to make it all look so easy as well. I mean, you, you kind of run out of superlatives with, with those two. And I, the thing is, like Mane got a hat trick on the night. Didn't play anywhere nearly as well as the other two. Um, but you could see that those two, it's really important to them to get Mane going. And you could see how happy they were when he got his first goal, when he got his second goal. And uh, there's a real, there's a real sense with this team. Like I, I don't think we're going to win the Champions League, but there's a real sense with this team that. We could knock out one of the top teams if we just if if everything goes right for us one night. We don't even need it on both legs. If everything goes right for us on one night, like we could tear one of the any of these teams apart, any of them, and I include Man City. Like look what we did to Man City. We absolutely annihilated them. Now I know they came back and they got two late goals and almost snatched a draw at the at the very end, but that was down to our defence having a wobble. 
that wobble is gone. Van Dyke has changed things at the back. We're, we're, we're really looking good at the back right now. Still think there's work to do. Obviously, we need to find a partner for Van Dyke. But if, if, if we got one of these teams at Anfield on an, on a an proper European night where the crowd is bouncing, the stadium shaking, and we get into them early and get that early goal, and then get that second goal at around the 25-minute mark. We could put four or five past anybody. And at that point, all we need to do is go to their gaff and, and not get thumped. And like I said, when you've got Van Dyke, Robertson's obviously a big improvement on what we had there last year. I think both Gomez and Trent have had really good seasons so far. Karius is, is looking good. Um, Chan is very, very good defensively. Wijnaldum very good defensively. Milner does his bit. Like we we could we could beat one of these teams over two legs. Like PSG, City, Real, Barca. Line them up, knock them down. Come the next round, don't care who we get. I'll fancy us to beat them at Anfield. Whether we get through or not is you know will will obviously depend on on certain factors, but. I don't see anyone wanting us in the next round, and, and that performance against Porto is why, like, we're capable, and, and we're capable of playing much better than that. Like, we took our foot off the gas for stretches in that game, not once or twice, for multiple stretches of ten, fifteen minutes. We just kind of sat back and went, "All right, then, let's see what you lads have." And you know, Trent put their best player in his pocket, Van Dyke absolutely ran the show from centre-back. Um, the midfield was good. James Milner and, and Pebbles had, both had their best games for Liverpool. The front three tore Porto apart. You know, we play like that. There's nobody that's going to want us. It, and in fairness, Dave, it's probably it's got to be something like a decade since we felt like that in Europe. Yeah, you've got to go back to 0809. That was the last time because if you remember that that the, the season after, which was Rafa's last season, there was turmoil at the club and the club had gone toxic. It was toxic in the stands, it was toxic in the dressing room. You had two senior senior players um, going behind the manager's back, attempting to, you know, have him removed. They eventually succeeded. Um, you had other senior players who were very, very much, uh, you know, Rafa disciples, um, and I think a number of them left in the that summer and the following summers. Um, very split, you know, the fan base was split, the team was split, it was, just wasn't a good season for us. We didn't look the same in Europe. Um, we just, we had, there was something about us the year before. Now, I know that the year before we had Alonso was, was world-class that year. Mascherano was world-class that year. Gerard was world-class. Torres was incredible. Um, we had, you know, good options at centre-back, solid full-backs. Pepe Reina was at the peak of his powers. So, front-to-back, that spine was just incredible. The following year, uh, Alonso has gone. Aquilani, obviously, injuries never fully settled. Mascherano had injuries and Lucas was playing. Gerard had some injuries. Uh, Torres had injuries. So we, we were just never quite the same. And then after that, obviously, Hodgson came in and just ruined everything for us. 
Um, so we were just never the same in Europe. Um, didn't look all that good in Europe under under Hodgson or Kenny. We were polling in Europe under Rogers. Uh, Klopp took us to the Europa League final, and we looked we looked really good in spells that year. Um, but this year we just look we look like a different animal. We really really do. We look like we're back where we belong where we belong, and we do belong in the Champions League. And any any of the says otherwise is fooling themselves. We've won five. European Cups. That's we're one of the elite of European football. That's to go with three UEFA Cups. Um, the elite of European football. There's only Real, Barca, Bayern, AC Milan. That's pretty much it. That's in our car. Real are in a class by themselves, but the rest are. They sit with us, and whether people like that or not, that's just how it is. Uh, <laughs> we're one of the elite of European football, and. and we deserve to be on this stage, and Jurgen Klopp deserves to be on this stage, and our front three, and Virgil van Dijk and Emre Chan, these lads deserve to be on this stage because they're top-level footballers. Yeah, it's 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 certainly nice to be back. I mean, bearing that in mind, and, and coming off the back of that game, I, I I know perhaps even last season that you know we, we come off a good performance, you know, a, you know, a, not just a good performance, you know, a real smasher of a performance. You know, banging goals in and and then kind of let our standards drop somewhat but you kind of get the feeling at the moment that that isn't going to be the case and and I've got to say Dave I felt quite confident going into the the West Ham game you know the last game of the month I I, I didn't expect anything else but a, a, a quite a comfortable win I, I must mm. admit and, and it's it's a while since I felt that confident it's um it, especially it's, against the team I'm, I'm like almost that. worried yeah I'm almost worried <laughs> the, um, is is this normal? I, I can't remember the last time I felt like this with Liverpool. That uh, I was starting to feel really confident when we're playing at home or we're playing certain teams. And certainly, I know obviously it's David Moyes, and David Moyes just doesn't do wins away from home at, uh, against big teams. But and certainly he's not certainly, at Anfield. He certainly doesn't do wins at Anfield. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't do any wins at Anfield. Yeah. No. But um, I just I just felt supremely confident, and and I've got to say, I think it, it looked to me as though the team felt pretty damn confident themselves. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, I think the confidence almost became a little bit of complacency early in the game. Um, we just seemed to think we were going to walk it in. And they had, uh, you know, it was only really a half chance that Arnautovic made into a big chance. And Karius had to make an absolute, like, world-class save. There's no other way to say it. He's a world-class save. Um, you know, he was well-positioned, but on the angle with a player who's capable of doing things like chipping the keeper from there uh, you know it's a world class save to, to tip that onto the bar um, made another it's a tremendous shot it's got oh. in fairness it's a tremendous shot as well isn't oh it, it is it is and I'll be honest like if Arnautovic played like that every week you'd love to have him at Liverpool you'd love him as your Bobby backup he'd be perfect but it's, it's he's hit and miss that that was a moment of genius and um it's a world-class save. It keeps the game nil-nil. We go down the field, we score. Then he makes another great save from Arnautovic again, a, a shot that's swerving and dipping and moving all over the place. And um, we've seen them beat Mignolet multiple times in the past. And uh, Karius makes a great save, keeps it at 1-0. And then from there, we're rolling. Like, second goes in, third goes in. It's game over at that point. Again, a little bit of complacency. Uh, but a blatant foul on Emery by uh, 
by Quixote, um, a blatant foul. Basically, like, clotheslined him in the neck with his, with his elbow, like. Um, so, I, I don't know how that's not given as a free kick, whether the ref just felt sorry for Moyes, because, you know, it's the annual David Moyes ass banking at Anfield. But, um, we'll get him next time. We'll get five. Uh, but yeah, we, we got a little bit complacent. We let in a sloppy goal. Good finish. Can't really blame, uh, the keeper or the defense. Emery just overplayed the ball, got fouled, ref didn't call it. They went and scored. And then we just decided to punish them and, and got ourselves a fourth with, you know, that, that fourth goal just sums up this team. The confidence that there is flowing through this team right now, where we play ourselves into trouble. And then the ball comes to Van Dyke, West Ham striker bearing down them, back, back to the play, facing his own goal. And most defenders do one of two things. They either roll it back to the goalkeeper and scream at him to kick it long. Or they turn booted into the stands. He doesn't either. He chips the ball back to Matip, makes sure it's into space, and from there we play out, play it to Carius, he gives it to Robertson, and then we're away. And Robertson will run all day today, all day tomorrow. I, I reckon he might run home to Scotland after every game just to tell his mum how he got on, and then, you know, get back in in time for tea. But uh, he he just keeps running, and Firmino finds him with a, with a lovely little through ball, and he puts it in the box for, for Mane to add another to his season's tally. And that goal by Mane means that this front three, Mane, Salah and Bobby, have passed the tally of Sterling, Sturridge and Suarez from 2013-14. They have 66. The lads got 65 in 13-14. And not only have they beaten the tally, not only did they beat it in February, but they've done it in less games. So if you count one game where all three play as three games, three combined games, they've actually done it with four combined games to spare. So it would have been, like I say, a game and a third, 120 minutes of actual game time with them all on the pitch. That's what they've had to spare to beat the, those three guys. And if, if we're all being honest, like we thought we'd never see a front three. Uh, quite as good um, as what they were, especially second half of the season. Uh, Suarez was, I believe, the best player in the world that year, and probably the year after. Sturridge was absolutely incredible. It was the, you know, the explosion of Raheem Sterling, the dawn of his career, and what we have now, I think, is more balanced. I think you could, you could, act, you could make a real argument for any of these three as our best player. Um, Mane on top form obviously is, is, is just as good. He, he might not get the goals of, of Mo, but he can certainly create a lot and offer different things. So the reason I'm bringing 13 14 up is that's probably the last time, Andy, that we felt this way, that we could beat anybody and that the team looked like they were going out in the mindset to beat anybody. And the risk is that they get complacent because that, that team got complacent. Um, and we can't get complacent this time like we did. We can't, like, you, you had lads singing, we're going to win the league eight games for the end of the season that year. Uh, we can't have that this year, no matter what. That can never happen again. The league's not over till, you know, Virgil van Dijk lists the trophy. Um, I'm talking obviously May 2019 when Virgil captains us to, to league greatness, but <laughs> we just have to not be complacent. And I, I think, I think we're we're looking really good for four for top fourth top four I should say uh, I think we'll get third um, maybe second depends on Spurs 
uh, depends on United. But I think that'll be the top four. City and then us, Spurs and United in, in some some mesh. I think Chelsea might fall off a little bit. I think things are going toxic there real quick. Yeah, I think they certainly are. Um, so another positive month of results for Liverpool. Uh, certainly, you know, three wins and a draw, achieving what we what we absolutely needed to achieve, and that's the bottom line. I would like to get you your reaction, Dave, to um, the announcement that came out over this past week of this whole uh, Firmino Holgate case finally uh, being resolved, if, if we could we could call it that, by with the statement from the FA. Now, I know, obviously, emotions go into it. We A lot of us felt it was quite sort of clear-cut at the time that there was, you know, that there was no suggestion of racism there, really, from Firmino. And this whole thing shouldn't have dragged on as long as it did. And, and as we say, you know, emotions get into it, the whole rivalry thing going on. People... Um, Taking vent in their fury towards Holgate, making all sorts of accusations, and I saw you make um, some very, very balanced uh, statements. So I'd, I'd like to, to you to share your thoughts on on that whole um, resolution and statement from uh, from the FA. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it was clear at the time for for those of us who had the benefit of watching it over and over and over again. That for what Firmino said wasn't in any way racist. Called him a crazy son of a bitch. The FA have to investigate though. Like they just have to. It is policy. Um, Holgate has made an accusation. In terms of Holgate, should he be fined, suspended? Well, yes, he should, but he should be fined and suspended for the push where he endangers the safety of Firmino, potentially injuring him very badly by pushing him into a metal railing. Um, with people on the far side and seats made out of hard plastic and more metal uh, and concrete. So that's what he should be punished for. That's what people should still be annoyed about. Um, I'm not annoyed at him over the allegation. Um, Anybody saying that he made that allegation in a considered, calculated way has either lived in a monastery all their life or, or is just telling lies. Because... If you're in a situation where someone comes running at you, screaming, wanting to punch you in the face, your natural reaction is going to be to punch them first. If someone intervenes, a lawmaker, a cop, and asks you what this is about, and you know that you've caused it, a couple of things can happen here. Either you make something up on the spot, or you say the first thing that comes to mind. Now... With Holgate, there's there's one of three things have happened. Either he's misunderstood what Bobby has said, so he doesn't un- like. I I very greatly doubt Mason Holgate speaks Portuguese, so he he possibly misunderstands what Firmino says, or he mishears what Firmino says. That's the second. He might have just misheard what he said. He might have heard the words and in his head he thought something else. Because if you look at his face as Firmino runs towards him, that's an oh shit moment. Like you know when you see in a in a movie and there's like there's guys who are like wannabe gangsters and then like the real gangsters turn up and there's that oh shit moment where their underwear slowly fills with a brown substance that's one of those moments like oh this guy's gonna fuck me up that's what happened right there so it is possible that he just panicked and the first thing that came to mind was oh he's after racial abusing like 
there's no I just can't see any possible way that in that split second he's had a calculated thought of yeah that's what I'm going to do I'm going to cry racism like it just doesn't it doesn't seem possible to me that that could have happened I think he either misheard him misunderstood him or he's just panicked and plucked that out of the air because at the end of the day at that at that exact moment in time it's in his head one of two things this guy wants to punch me in the face and I could very well be getting sent off here like that's a huge game that's a Merseyside derby in the cup under lights at Anfield which is not exactly the friendliest ground in the world to come to if you're an Everton player so all things considered I I just think he panicked or he un- or I just you know misheard or misunderstood what Firmino said uh, my money would go on panic I would guess that he's seen Firmino come and running at him then the referee has appeared he's felt that stuff you know starting to run down his leg and he's tough so I'm 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 in big trouble here I'm in big trouble here I'm going off that's a straight red I'm going off it's violent conduct I could get you know, whatever. I'm not going to be playing for age. My manager's going to bollock me. I'm going to get fined. All this kind of stuff. And he's just panicked. And there's 40,000 lunatics screaming at him and calling him a bastard. And he's just panicked. And he said the first thing that came into his mind, which was he racially abused me. Or, well, yeah, that's, that's, they're not the words he used. But that's the only thing I could think of, Andy, because of, look, I, I, I know someone that knows Mason Holgate from when he was at Barnsley. And he said that he is the nicest kid you could work with. He said he's just a really level-headed young lad. Works hard, doesn't doesn't try to cause trouble. There's no badness in him. And, and I just I just think he panicked. I, I don't see it in his character that he would have, you know, made this up in a calculated manner. And once the thing is, once he said it, it's very hard to then walk that back. Like it's very hard to walk. That yeah, back. what well, that's it. The, the the FA are duty bound to to, to, to follow through. Yeah, the, the referee did what he has to do. He has to then go and register it. They've then got to go through the process and do what they've got to do. That yeah, th- there's no way of getting out of that. You know, just because it's football, it doesn't mean it can be and different again, from the rest again, of life. People might take this the wrong way, but Holgate is black, and through his career has probably probably been the victim of racism at some point be it at club level or playing for England away in some country he's probably been the victim of racism and that's not the kind of shit that's ever really going to leave your psyche that you know that I was racially abused so it might just be that because it's happened to him before and it might have been you know say a hostile environment or whatever that it's just in his head that people have racially abused him before this man is screaming at me I don't know what he's saying maybe this is what he's saying and he's thrown it out I don't know but I, I just don't see it as him you know having a bad character or anything like that he can't really he can't come out and say it wasn't said because that's just another shit storm he's he may have said to the FA privately like we don't know we don't know the details of what's actually happened we don't know if there's actually been a real investigation. Like, nobody has, has shown any evidence that there's been a real investigation. This is not like the Suarez issue, where there was, like, panel convened, and they interviewed people, you know, both qualified and unqualified to talk about, you know, fucking linguistic lunacy of, of South America. Um, this, 
there's been no evidence that there's been an actual real investigation here. So it is possible that after the game, he sat down with the referee and goes, I, I don't actually think he said that. I, you know, I panicked in the moment. And the ref's gone, okay, fair enough. Well, look, this is what we're going to do. They get Liverpool in, they get Firmino in. They say, look, this is what's happened. He's panicked, he shot himself. He's come out with this. He says it didn't happen. Like, Firmino's been very quiet this whole time. And even his statement that someone wrote for him, it, you know, it's just, it's it's your bog standard football jargon. It's There's nothing kind of personal in it, you know? Um, no. And... You know, I've heard a few people say, oh, it's tarnished Firmino's reputation. How? How? I've not. Yeah, it's, uh, it's only, God, the, only the idiots, only the kind of idiots with with their own particular club loyalty, axe to grind. Andy, who, the only time anyone's mentioned this in the 40-odd days since it happened is when the FA have given an update or when some journalist has brought it up. Like, oh, still no word. In the, or, or when the Jay Rodriguez thing happened. There hasn't been any ongoing talk of of Firmino and this. There's obviously the tribal bullshit where Everton fans get up on their, you know, billionaire soapboxes and fucking shout and ball and talk absolute drivel, um, where Chelsea fans do the same. Uh, and United fans are obviously all morons. So, like, nobody should care about what those three groups of idiots have to say. Like, who cares? Like, it doesn't... It's like... It doesn't affect Firmino's reputation, you know, like, you can look at loads of players that are seen as, you know, great players and stars. Like, the, the drink driving thing did more harm to Firmino than, than this fucking race, racial thing. Cause nothing happened here. He actually did that. And yet, you don't hear anyone talking about it. Like, he's not constantly berated for being a, dr- a drunk driver. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, I, I think people just want something to moan about. I don't see anything to moan about here. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happened. Nothing's going to happen. It's over. It's done with. Firmino has clearly moved on. Look at the form he's been in. It hasn't affected him in any way, shape, or form. Um, Holgate has moved on. He's doing whatever he's doing for Everton. They're still shit. And like at the at the end of the day, we should all just stop, take a moment, take a deep breath, and laugh at Everton, and yeah. then move on with our day. Like that's that's all you need to do. Just take a moment, deep breath, nice laugh at Everton, and just get on with your day. Forget. You know, berate a twenty-one-year-old for panicking in the moment, like because a fucking lunatic from Brazil came over, looking like he's going to stab him <laughs> or something. Like, hey, if, if Bobby Firmino ran at me, looking psycho with them eyes, I'd be a little bit scared myself, like you know. Let alone the forty thousand scousers screaming abuse at him. Move on, yeah. So we'll we'll take that advice. We'll move things on then um, and wrap up February. Dave, I'll ask you for your February goal of the month. February goal, but oh, Mane's, Mane's hat-trick goal in Porto was, was spectacular. Um, but I'll actually give it to Mane's goal against West Ham. I just thought, you know, a back-to-front move where we played ourselves into trouble and out of trouble and then just walked through them like a knife through butter, a hot knife through butter. I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I particularly like the little finish, the way that he just dinked it over the keeper. Mm. I, I, I love little things like that. Both... I love them both, but I, I, I'm going to have to. I don't know whether you forgot about this one, but I'm going to have to give it to the Salah goal against Spurs, where he somehow manages to uh, to dribble past a few of them and then slot it in. Um, I, I know it was described at the time as you know the only other person who scores goals like that is is one Leo Messi, and in fairness, that's probably quite accurate actually. Um, 
it was it, it was a bit special from a special player. It was, it was. But for me, it's I just like I don't know. Like it's definitely there. It's definitely you know one to consider. But I just like the team aspect of the Mane goal. I think it's just it's more for me. It's a sign of what we're going to become. And when you see the players we've been linked with, um, Allison, Jorginho, like there, that's a sign there's going to be a lot of pretty goals to come. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, what about your player of the month then? Player of the month, Bobby Firmino. I think he's been spectacular. I think you could, it's a toss between him and Mo. Obviously, I mean, you, 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 oh, I feel bad actually picking someone other than Mo because Mo's been so good. What a what a ridiculous season that chap is having. I think he's twenty five goals in his last twenty five games in all competitions. Like that's it's world class. It's, <laughs> I don't but, think any of us expected but I, that last week. I give I give just, it to Firmino. I just think he's been yeah. I think he's been really special. This he has. He's been incredible. Um, I, I've got a. I'll echo that one, and I will give a shout to uh, to one Virgil Van Dyke as well because I think uh, slowly but surely he's settling mm. in more and more and more, and we are really seeing um, the player that why we wanted him and why we needed oh, yeah. him. Here's the, here's the, my prediction, Andy. Within two years, Virgil Van Dyke will become underrated by Liverpool fans. Because he's going to be eight out of ten every single week without breaking sweat, and some fans will just go, "Oh, well, he doesn't try hard," or there'd be some, there'd be a bunch of idiots, you know yourself. The same idiots that don't like Chan, that didn't like Sturridge, they'll find something to dislike about Virgil. Yeah, there are a few special people about. Um, right, quiz time then. So it's um, the this month from then. Uh, oh God, I can't even say this month from when quiz. So five questions. Um, I'll I'll tell you what's happened uh, in this month uh, from years gone by, and you just have to name the particular year. So first one up, uh, it was in February that Liverpool travelled to the Bernabeu in the first knockout stage of the Champions League and beat Real Madrid 1-0 thanks to a late goal from Yossi Benayoun. But what was the year? 2009? Yes. Are you going to be annoyingly good at this? No, probably not. I've I've I have memory issues. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Second one. February saw the end of Kenny Dalglish's um, first ball in charge of the club uh, after a four-four draw with Everton. But can you name the year that he resigned? Ninety-one. Yeah, that was it was an easy one. I was throwing yeah. a nice easy one in there. Um, next is uh, another one from February that Liverpool won the first league of their Champions League first knockout stage game at home to Bayer Leverkusen 3-1. But five days later, they then lost the League Cup final to Chelsea. So can you name that year? Yeah, 2005, Rafa's first year. We went on and won the Champions League. That is correct as well. You just don't... Yeah. Didi Hammond scored a great free kick in that game. That's why yeah. I remember that game. You have memory issues. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> right, fourth one then. Uh, it was also February when Liverpool needed penalties to beat Birmingham in the League Cup final of which year? 2001. Yes. Travel season. Didi uh, Hammond, Hammond missed a penalty in that game. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, final question then. See if you can get full house. Liverpool exited the Europa League in February to Zenit St. Petersburg. Uh, this despite coming back from a three uh, three goals down on aggregate. 2013. Oh, Jesus. Brendan Rodgers' first year in charge. <laughs> Suarez came off the bench and scored an absolute worldie. Yeah, he got two goals in that game. Oh, my. That is your first time ever. Uh, five out of five. I, I would applaud you, but... It, it, <laughs> It won't sound like it. Good on here. A guy will be devastated. <laughs> oh, man. Congratulations. <laughs> you just annihilated it. There'll be, uh, there will also be some very disappointed people who listening to this as well. We're all desperately hoping that you wouldn't do so well, but there you go. Yeah, certain people who claim when he started sporting Liverpool about four or five years ago. Yeah. Your liars <laughs> and your podcast is shit. <laughs> Right then, time to, uh, instead of looking back, we're going to look ahead now. Then March is fixtures. So uh, win, lose or draw, we're going to start the, the month off this Saturday. We're at home to Newcastle in the Premier League. So uh, when win, lose or draw for uh, Rafa coming back again? Yeah, I think we'll win. I think we'll win comfortably. Toon are fairly poor. Um, and even they're not, they're not the best at the back. They're a bit shaky, but we'll beat them. We'll beat them. Yeah, I feel the same. Uh, we're following that up with uh, Tuesday night at home to Porto in the Champions League. Um, obviously, a five-goal lead. Um, we, we might well see changes for this game, but uh, do you fancy uh, a win for this one again? Yeah, uh, I think we will beat them. I, I, I'm hoping we rest a whole bunch of players. I have a feeling they will. I could see them sending just their reserve team. Um, and keeping their lads fresh for the domestic league because that you know the tie's over. If Klopp plays the front three, um, then Porto should report him for bullying. They should go and find the teacher and <laughs> report him for bullying because that's just cruel. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, entertainment though, isn't it? Um, right, next up from that one, massive game, um, and obviously we're going to get that the hype machine leading up to it. Uh, Saturday the 10th, we're away to uh, Man United at Old Trafford. So um, what do you fancy, a win, lose or draw on this one? A draw, Mourinho. Man loves a draw. I think think he'll put 11 behind the ball and they'll try and kick us out of the game. They'll do that thing where they boot long balls up to that big donkey up front. I think it'll end up 1-1. Yeah, I've got to say I fancy a draw as well. Yeah, like you, I think... I think he'll somehow find a way of putting 15 men behind the ball. Yeah. And, he'll have uh, lads yeah. running out of the stands and all sorts. <laughs> yeah. and, we'll, and we'll all walk away from the game thinking, Jesus, that David De Gea is unbelievably good, isn't he? Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Another Mourinho master, tactical masterclass for Sky then. Uh, and Saturday the 17th uh, is our next game after that. We're at home to Watford in the Premier League. So uh, what do you fancy for that one then, Dave? Win. Um, win and a comfortable win, I hope. I, wa- I would like actually Watford to go down after what they did to Marco Silva, but they will stay up, but I think we'll beat them comfortably. Yeah. And then to finish the, the month off, we've got a bit of break there because obviously we're not in the, the, um, the FA Cup. So our next game is two weeks after that. So uh, yeah, that's it. We, we don't have to worry too much about the rotation, you know, week between the Man United and Watford game. And then two weeks until uh, the end of the month when we're away at Crystal Palace. Um, do, you, do you think this could be one of those sort of 
potential banana skins? They've given us obviously a lot of problems in the past. Um, I, I think we will go there and beat them comfortably this year, though. I, they're just a mess. Um, they've obviously got Owl Face in charge, and nobody can like them. Um, apologies to Jay from the Eagles' beak, but you're managed by an owl, and you deserve to get relegated on that basis. I can't. Do you know what's funny? I can't decide if my love of Sacco or my hatred of Hodgson is stronger. So I don't know if I want them to go down or not. But it looks like Sacco could be out for a little while longer. So I'm I'm sticking with my hatred of the Hodge. I'm putting uh, putting Palace in the bottom three. Yeah, I think I think it could all depend on uh, whether or not Zaha is available because he seems to be the difference maker for them. Certainly in terms of results, they've I don't think they've won a game when he's missed when he's been missing this season. But when, when obviously when he's been available, he's um, he's really been turning it in. Yeah, he's a good player. He's having a good season. Uh, you know who's not been a difference maker though? Christian Benteke. That's money well spent. Two goals this season. <laughs> I'd say he's certainly made a difference. I mean, um, it, it takes something special to uh, to score that little amount of goals. Yeah, Christian Benteke turning draws into losses. <laughs> A one in ten. <laughs> oh, oh dear me! Uh, I'm fair play to how Ben we Teke. Allowed, Give me a chuckle. How we ever allowed anyone to spend money on him on our behalf is beyond me. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go. I'll go all superstitious and say we'll end the month on a draw, just to uh, just to be superstitious. So I don't predict too many wins. So uh, yeah, things things are certainly looking up. Um, before we head off, though, Dave. I mean, obviously. Thanks so much for joining us. I know I've been looking forward to uh, to this one. But I've been waiting a while to get you on the show, and it's, so it's always good to chat to you and certainly uh, to get your thoughts on so many things. And as the guest, uh, you do get the final say. I mean, I mean, you you being you, you tend to get the final say on a lot of things. But I was taking it whether you were giving it to me or not. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, as the guest, you do get the final word here on this show. So. Um, can you sum up the month of February for Liverpool in five words? Bobby and Mo are boss. And there you go, folks. This has been the Res Review. Until uh, next month, here on the Outfield Index podcast channel, from me, Andy Wells, it's Bobby and Network.